head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody to episode 214 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Jerry Smith of Irish MMA Media. Graham McDonald's, we talk in what was a very, very, very big week in the world of mixed martial arts. Graham, how are you this beautiful Sunday morning slash midday slash afternoon? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Um just uh caught the fights the the last the, the main card uh, this morning, just finished watching it there. It was uh I didn't know the results, I uh, kept the phone on I didn't look at the phone, so uh yeah, it was uh looked like a really good really good fight night and uh uh, I, I really enjoyed the main event. It was really good. It was really good. And we, we'll get to that in a second. But I think we have a responsibility to talk about this BT Sports box office deal first. Because <laughs> if if there was ever a time to sign up for our Patreon and support our work, it's now. Because you look at last night, and I I was fucking disgusted by the people at that press conference. I, I put out a tweet asking people to, to ask a question. Loads of people. There was like, I don't know, there was like 30,000, 50,000 impressions or something on the tweet from people here. People were going crazy about it. And not one... One person asked Dana White about it at the press conference. Uh, like, it's if people in the UK and Ireland, you want someone covering the sport for you, you know, <laughs> make sure to, to remember that, that when you're you're putting your trust in someone or when, you, when you're signing up for a Patreon or something like that. Because to me, like, this is the biggest story in the world of MMA right now. This is... This is huge, like, and I know it's, okay, uh, I, I reported yesterday that it's, it's not going to be every card, it's probably only going to be a few a year, I asked how many and they didn't say yet, but they said it's going to be just a, a select few, but this is, this is ridiculous, isn't it really, what, what, what are your first, and I know, hold on, we're, we're, you're going to get into the, uh, everyone's going to stream and anyway and stuff, but I think we need to leave that aside for a second, we know everyone's going to stream and we know, like, people are not going to buy normal BT because they can go and stream it, but... To bring to bring in BT Sports box office, what was your initial reaction to it? Well, <laughs> my initial reaction was, well, everybody's going to stream it, but because <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what's going to happen, you can't really leave that out. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't, I don't know what the numbers BT Sport are doing for, for example, a John, a John Jones card at, when John Jones is fighting at five in the morning uh, on on BT Sport, no, normal BT Sport. So I, I don't think it's doing great numbers. So I can't really see the box office doing doing well at all yeah it's but i suppose it'll incentivize bt sport to put more promotion behind ufc to try and to try and sell the pay-per-view um you know when sky sports have a have a boxing pay-per-view coming up that you hear about it for a month non-stop every ad break uh, constantly talking about it mm-hmm. obviously they have sky sports news as well which bt sport don't have but they do have a lot of sports content on bt sport and they will promote it more but i just can't see people uh, paying 20 quid or whatever it is to to watch it when it's it's so easily streamable and it's on in the middle of the night. Yeah, look, there there's two sides of this argument here, and one is from like the the fan side who don't want to pay extra money or do, don't feel like they should have to pay 
to get up at 3 o'clock to watch a card when they haven't for the last, what, 15 years or whatever it is, at least on BT anyway, the last, what, four years now at this stage. So they, they offered us something for four years, and now they're changing things up, trying to get us to pay extra money for, for the same thing. And not only that, but doing it, as I mentioned, 3 a.m., the fight the fight card starting, all these cards that they will be charging for will be will be 3, you know, un- unless maybe they charge for the Habib Barrio one or they charge for McGregor one in Ireland maybe or something, which I, th- which I think we could actually live with because if it was starting at 9 o'clock, I think that would be fair. You know, if they did a, a pay-per-view with a McGregor card or this big Habib card, I could understand it. But in the middle of the night, I think that is a huge factor. When we already actually pay a premium for BT Sports, that's a huge factor. But I think... A big factor here also is what will this, this actually do to the sport? You know, John Jones at the moment is the biggest star in the sport with McGregor not fighting and injured and, you know, away boxing and doing his own thing. John Jones is, is our biggest star. And you're, how many people are going to watch John Jones? A thousand? Are a thousand people going to buy this? Like, if you, if you look at the, the cards in America at the moment, Dave Meltzer kind of reported, he didn't fully report it, but he said he thought the last uh, pay-per-view did under 100,000 buys in America. So... If that's the case for that car, and let's say John Jones does five hundred thousand or whatever, and he's he probably won't that. Let's let's say three hundred thousand, and or even maybe a little bit less because he's fighting. Be Jeff lucky to with the new ESPN yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if I did five thousand, I think it it'd it'd be a blow away. Are you so you're trying to give up, right? They're they're giving this up for the people who have BT Sports, right? For Man United games or for Liverpool games or for rugby and stuff, and those people who maybe have gotten into the UFC or are like the UFC or you know record the fights and watch them the next morning when they get up, you know, before the the, the two o'clock game or whatever it is. Those people are not going to be able to watch it anymore. You're driving away all those people you're also driving away people to streams the hardcore fans who grew up with the internet we always talk about mma as an internet sport it grew up on the internet it grew up with social media and everything like that you think those people are not going to be able to to get streams to to stream this fight to watch it live of course there you're driving away who is this meant for like who is going to buy this because the people who are kind of old enough and maybe have enough uh, money or uh, enough disposable income and are not going to stream it are not going to stay up to watch it at, at 3 a.m. They're going to watch it the next morning. And they're, they're not going to pay for the replay. Like, no one's going to pay for the replay. Yeah, and then, even if you don't know how to use yeah. streams, you'll probably be more likely to just uh, download it in the morning. And you can just type it into Google or Bing or anything. Like, you know, you see 238, watch online free, and there it is. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, and, like, as I said, do, 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 those older people are, are not going to do it. The younger people then are just going to stream it. We, like, we all know that. People are just going to stream it. And I'm not telling people to stream it, but I'm also telling people not to fucking buy this card it don't buy it like do not buy it because if the first one comes out and 500 people have bought it then they're not going to do it again like this is how you this is a big card now do not buy it like did skip this card Sk- i'm telling you because it's it's disgraceful this, this shouldn't be gonna i can understand it right as i said if it's a big, huge Conor McGregor fight card at 9 o'clock and it's in Croke Park and they want to make money so they can put it on by putting it on BT Sports box office, 100%. No problem. If they want to bring John Jones to fight in London or in you know Paris maybe if, if it gets regulated or in wherever and they want to charge pay-per-view for that in, in our normal time, I can understand it. Fair enough. But doing this at 3am, it feels like a money grab that they're going to make no money out of. It, it just feels like that. It, it feels like it's a stupid idea. It's probably just an experiment, really. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. really definitely going to fail. But 
Yeah. And hopefully it does fail, to be honest. I, I hope it does fail because it's it's ridiculous. And it's, you know, people will may probably make the argument as well, like, oh, the, you know, the, the fighters deserve money. We, you you know, you're you're paying for these fighters because Eddie Hearn has kind of brought that thing around. And it makes a little bit more sense from his point of view because that's his main source of income for, and the fighter's main source of, of income as well or, or, you know, whatever the phrase would be. But for these fighters, there's already pay-per-view in, in America. They're already making big money. They're already making money out of this BT Sports deal like the deal was signed okay I, I warned everyone a few months ago that this was part of the deal but the deal was signed <laughs> in on top of the last deal you know moved over from 11 sports we thought we were going to get it with, with 11 sports and and, and we didn't uh, and then it came back to BT Sports so like I don't think it's unfair for people to assume that we're going to have the same deal as we always had, which makes this even seem worse, I think. There's just, there's nothing positive about this here. It's going to be bad for the sport because people are not going to be able to watch the best fighters uh, or, or the best card in the world. Maybe if they do the two or four year, I don't know, that, that hasn't been confirmed yet. People are going to miss those those fights. A thousand people, two thousand people are going to watch it. That's going to be it. It's going to drive away, um, you know, the, the hardcore uh, fans. People will people will actually watch on a stream, a yeah. stream of the pay per view, and they won't be subjected to 150 million ads, and they'll actually enjoy the product more. Mm-hmm. But it's like it, it's gonna, and they'll never watch it on TV ever again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna drive away everyone. It, yeah, it's it's true. Like loads of people are saying they're cancelling BT Sports as well, and they're not going to be happy about that. And it feels like you know both parties here are are, are wanting this to go on pay per view, <clears throat> but BT Sports, you know. If I had to put one ahead of the other one, I'd probably put it at BT Sports because I'd say the UFC are happy enough to keep it going the way it is and are happy enough to kind of grow the sport the way it is here. I don't think it's the time for it now. Like, if, if Conor McGregor was in his pomp and he's fighting, you know, for championships and he's fighting two or three times a year, then I think it makes sense for the UFC to try this or to attempt it then because you could put all those fights on pay-per-view. But, you know, even if McGregor comes back and he fights a lot... How many times a year is he going to fight? Once, you know, twice at most. So it's, <laughs> I think it's just an insane time. Even if they tried it for the Habib uh, Poirier card, which is going to be on prime time here, I think that would have made a lot more sense. For this one, it just makes sense. As I said, you're driving away fans to, to the streams. You're driving away the fans who won't go to the streams just to not even bother watching it. And you're also driving away fans from buying BT Sport, from being BT Sport subscribers. It makes no sense. It makes no sense from your bottom line. It makes no sense for BT Sport's bottom line. It makes no sense for the sport. It's just hurting the sport because more people are not going to watch it and they're going to be driven away from it. So it's it's terrible. Hopefully nobody buys it. I'd encourage everyone not to buy it. Like it, and the, the, this first one is is a big one. If if five hundred people buy this, they probably won't do it again. So, you know, that's probably the, the way we should. It should go anyway. So let's let's see how it goes. I'll have to buy it anyway because I'll have to come on this podcast. I'll buy it, right? No one else buy it, and then I'll come on this podcast Sunday morning and tell everyone what happened. I'll break down all the fights and let's see what happens. Do you think that's a good? Uh, that's a good way to go, Graham. Yeah, I hope they don't try and do like their own presentation like their own table and stuff that's God, always yeah. a disaster when they try that stuff um <sighs> i think the fact like, it's on pay-per-view in america they won't need to do that they'll just have the, the american pay-per-view one yeah i hope so but uh, either way uh, i just can't see this this working out to be advantageous money-wise to the ufc like it may make a little bit of money but for how big a company the ufc is how big a company bt is i don't i don't see this doing any great gains for them and I, I think it's a strange move and I think it'll probably be short-lived 
Yeah, I, I, I agree too. So let's get to the fights uh, from last night. And it was a pretty good night of fights, as you mentioned, to, to start things up. Uh, let's talk about the main event, Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Moraes. And it, it was... I, I think you could kind of see that Henry Zahuda was was bringing an injury into this fight. Um, he wasn't moving as well as you'd expect him. Hey, just look at his ankles. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Like, okay, uh, Marlon Moraes was definitely better in the first round, and and it looked like he was he was going to, to to win this fight easily. But the one thing you you know you could have expected Marlon Moraes to kick his legs and to beat him up that way and beat a bigger, stronger man. But for him to be the faster man throughout. Almost all of the fight was the most shocking part to me. Now Marais is, is fast and everything, but he's he's he was bigger and Henry Cejudo's very fast. Like I remember Henry Cejudo went five rounds with Demetrius Johnson and wasn't that much slower than him, you know, and to be not that much slower than Demetrius Johnson is to be one of the fastest fighters of all time. So that to me stuck out almost immediately. Um you know, Marais kicked those legs, as I said uh, on, on Twitter last night. If you do, you think though the slowness yeah. was, was mainly down to the ankle? The I think it was down to the ankle because it was there immediately. Now, uh, the thing is, Marlon Marais was very smart because if he did have a leg injury, you know, and if you know that was that was a rumor beforehand. He exacerbated it immediately because he kicked yeah. and kicked and kicked immediately. So it was a very yeah. Smart well, when you see that his ankles all strapped up, he, he, it's it's like okay, there's a target for me. Kick those legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And Henry didn't really seem to have an answer to it because you know he was fighting out of out of that karate sense, like you know Conor McGregor, Leota Machida style, and. It, you know, it really wasn't working for him because he was he was kicking the outside of the leg when he was in one stance. He was kicking the inside of the leg when he was in the other stance. He just couldn't seem to really get anything going. And it wasn't until the second round until he kind of switched it up <clears throat> and went full kind of aggression, realizing this fight was getting away from him and he had to do something that that he wanted. And it was brilliant. You know, this this I always say a mark of a true real elite champion is how they can change things up within a fight when it's gone badly that really is the market i always talk about floyd mayweather he's done it years and years and years and boxing analysts always talk about it how he does it he changes things up and henry cejudo did just that you know we've talked about henry cejudo before and there have been things you know with the, the other fights with the early stoppage with the bad decision and everything like that but there's no denying this the way he changed things up he just went forward he's like not today motherfucker not today <laughs> and just went forward and went straight at him there was no great you know there was no great intelligent brilliant game plan here ranting no great you know little change there's no great like pop on his punches either or anything like it was just kind of relentless pushing mm-hmm. forward and throwing different strikes and just wearing wearing down Marais. I think he he, he felt that uh, Marlon was getting tired and he, the second he felt that he was like oh, I'm going to I'm going to up this. Do you think I, I I was brilliant from Henry Cejudo 100% and the way he changed it up was brilliant. But do you think from Marlon Marais uh, you know I spoke last week about how I thought Marlon Moraes would win the fight. And I said the, the phrase puncher's chance. And, you know, I've, I've talked about that loads of times before. It's not like a boxing puncher's chance. Like, you you know, you have a knockout artist chance in MMA. And it's a real chance. Do you think he got away from that a little bit? And went too much to, like, a game plan of those leg kicks, leg kicks, leg kicks. And, you know, trying to be elusive and all. And it wore well, him it's out worked from It's worked for him in five round fights before outside the UFC. Um, so maybe he's he, he's been in five rounds before. So he knows that you can't. You can't go all out, but it did seem that I don't know if it was the the accumulation of damage that slowed him down. But he did seem to slow down a lot earlier than than he usually would. I don't know what that that was down to. Maybe it was the the occasion and 
all of that things. But uh, I think his coach nearly thinking he was about to break in between rounds. He was like, yeah. "Think about your mother. Think about what she sacrificed for you, and all this, all this stuff to try and get him going again." So uh, I don't know what was going on there. I've never seen that before from from Martin Marais, or maybe it was just a bit of an overreaction from from Mark Henry. But mm-hmm. it's never a good sign when in, with three rounds to go. <sighs> Your your uh, yeah. your coach is saying that kind of thing. It, I've talked about Mark Henry loads of times before, and people kind of know my my thoughts on Mark Henry. I think he's a very good fundamental coach. If you wanted, uh, you know, someone to teach you how to throw a kick or throw to throw a jab and stuff like that, I think he's fantastic. But I wouldn't have him in my corner in 72. a, mi- in a Mac, million years. Mark seventy two. I think he's just. A, uh, if you're a trainer, Mark Henry, you need someone to put your game plan out, and you need someone to corner you because I I just don't think he's he's good at that. Now, like I think in the first round that game plan wasn't bad, but I think you need to hold back a little bit because if you're fighting Henry Cejudo and you know he's an injured leg, and all you're doing is going out there to to kick his leg and 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 injure it more or, or make it you know make it worse or whatever, and then that doesn't end the fight. What are you doing then? Like, have you just fucked yourself up and taken away your big chance to win? Like, imagine if that had well, never happened. Well, you've probably taken away a bit of his, his spring and takedown ability. Yeah, but like. Th- I think you, in that situation, you have to put your game plan that you'd normally have with the game plan to hurt his leg after hearing he was injured. So Marlon Murray should still have been... And when I say looking for the knockout, I don't mean go forward, you know, Anthony Smith-like and throw big shots and... Well, old Anthony Smith-like maybe. Uh, and throw big shots and wear yourself out. Just get the knockout or, or get tired and lose it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying... Wait for the shot. Wait for Henry Suda to come on to you. Throw those little leg kicks when he comes in. Change things up. Definitely have variety in your in your in your work. But don't throw leg kick, leg kick, leg kick. Like what did he throw? Like twenty leg kicks or something in that first round. I think it was a little bit of overkill because in the second round as well, I think that was a little bit of a reason why Henry Cejudo was able to come back into it because it was a little bit predictable. Like if he had only thrown maybe five leg kicks in that first round, it still would have had the damage. He has huge leg kicks, but he also would have left himself more open for the knockout or, you know, left himself more open to get the knockout. And we saw it at the end of the, the second round when Henry Cejudo was coming on to him. He nearly knocked him out. You know, we, you'd almost forget it at the end of the second round. Marlon Marais landed a big right hand right I down to the middle. I think always at the, end of, at the end of rounds like that, people are kind of a bit little less, a little more reckless. And if it wasn't, if the 10-second clapper hadn't gone, maybe Cejudo wouldn't have exchanged like that or the both of them wouldn't have exchanged like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I suppose, but it just felt like when Sahuda was coming onto him and he had you know, he had it in his mind to counter and hit him and land a big knockout blow. He did it a few times. Like he, he caught Sahuda and that's even more credit to Sahuda. He did so well to, to come through and keep going. What did you think of the third round? Like are you, you I know you're just after watching it there again quickly and, and the end of the fight was it like what percent would you give Marlon getting tired and Henry actually coming on and, and taking that fight away from him? Um, I think it was the pressure that kind of did it to him. I think he did sense him slowing down and took advantage of it. I think it's obviously a, a, a bit of both. But uh, I think it was a good stoppage as well. Uh, when there's a f- only a few seconds to go in the round, sometimes the ref will just let it go because the the, the round's about to end. But I, I do think he he was kind of eating. He, he was done. I think he, he was eating big, big elbows and then big punches and was just kind of lying there with his head on the canvas so I, I think it was a good stoppage yeah it was 100% a good stoppage yeah, it, was, it was late in the round as well it was only 9 seconds left we've kind of seen them before where guys will like or referees will, will let it go just because the 10 second clapper has gone and mm-hmm. 
maybe they don't want to cause a controversy. Yeah, I, I think the fact that with like maybe 18, 19 seconds to go, there was a little bit of like of a start of a barrage and it could have been finished and then he kind of moved his legs a little bit. But then there was another like five second barrage and I think if, if it had been five seconds later where that first barrage came and he just barely, barely survived, I think Goddard would have let it go and let the second barrage happen and then stopped it with, you know, the two or three seconds left. Yeah. But I think it was if just... he hadn't eaten like a bunch of knees as well. And yeah. <laughs> Those knees up it, through the middle were, were huge yeah. as well for Henry Zuno. He had Zuno. no answer for that clinch. Mm-hmm. Like he just, it was so easy for Zahudo. And I think Zahudo was reaching for it a couple of times then afterwards. It was kind of a bit too much. But w- once he kind of worked his way in there, it was, it was just, it seemed really easy for him. And, uh, a little bit more pop on those knees, and it could, it could have been a spectacular knockout. But even even so, it, it must be serious damage being done with each one of those knees. And Marmorai's kind of no sold it, but there's no way that doesn't that doesn't rattle you. Mm-hmm. I I think as well, it's funny the, the return of like the the mad forward pressure when you're getting out oh, classes the wrong word I suppose, but getting out techniqued maybe early is kind of coming back. Like we saw with Kaylee Taylor and that that uh, Person fight last week, and we've seen it in lots of fights recently and it's it's good to see like the top people in the world doing it because Henry Cejudo now is uh, you know an Olympic champion a 2 weight UFC world champion and for him to do it it's it shows how effective it is not only not only how effective it is but also how effective Henry Cejudo can be when he, you know he's even not at 100% and you know we have to give him credit for that what do you think now about Henry Cejudo as one of the greatest of all time one of the, the top pound for pound in the world do you think he's any argument to read or those I think he's up there, yeah. Like he's beaten Demetrius Johnson and, and uh, T.J. Dillashaw and Martin Marais in in a, in a row here. Um, it's pretty it's pretty impressive. Like he's he, he's every fight he's evolving massively. Um, he came out there with an injury and got dominated pretty much for the first round, and it looked it looked like he was getting outclassed on the feet, but he 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 just showed how how intelligent he is, or Maybe it's a fact of his game or his corner where, like, you need to do this, and he's able to follow a game plan really well. But either way, he's able to execute brilliantly. Um, like, his, his losses are what three years ago now mm-hmm. to Demetrius Johnson and Joe Benavidez. And since then, he's he, every fight he's looked like he's looked like a different fighter. Okay, this fight is a little bit different because maybe the injury and because because the, the size disparity, maybe. Maybe his wrestling wasn't as on point as as it usually is, probably due to the ankle and because of the the strength and size of of Marlon Rice. But uh, he still nearly had him in a submission, and he's just so well rounded. He's he's changed his striking style over the over the last few fights as well. So, and as you said, he's able to change it up. And if he, if the range the range he was fighting on the first round wasn't working, he he changed the range up and pushed him back and um. Just, just unrelenting pressure, and nearly broke Morris. And well, his coach John Henry seemed to think so anyway. So you know, John Henry, is it one of John the Henry, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> John Henry. But yeah, look, yeah. I, I agree as well. I think if you look at the pound for pound rankings, Cormier is top at the moment. I think, although this might be an old one, and you've John Jones and Habib there as well. And then you know, there's kind of that fall off. But I think, you've but, got, like, are like are are any of those developing and progressing at the rate of, of Henry Cejudo? No, definitely not. No, but I think they don't need to. They're already at the top of their game. But I think yeah. you you push him into that company now. I, I really think you do I, I, you know 
obviously Dustin Poirier is coming there as well. He's fighting Habib, and that's a tough fight. And I think you have to put Tony Ferguson in that company as well, and we'll get to him in a second because twelve fights in a row in that lightweight division is absolute insanity. And you know Habib has won what probably nine or ten as well in the UFC. Absolute, you know, madness as well. So it's you know it's a good time for for unbelievably good, good fighters in the UFC at the moment. And here Sahuda is definitely up there. So credit credit to him. Um, Valentina Shevchenko versus. Jessica, I this was. And oh, no, hold on before Water we fucking. before we get to that. Actually, your rating. What would you give the rating for uh, Henry Cejudo versus uh, Marlon Moraes? Uh, solid eight. Eight. Oh, rookie score, but I give it an eight point one as well. Yeah, I thought it was. 8.4. Yeah, I thought it was an eight point one. So you can't a, give a point zero, even if you think it is. No, no, it's a rookie score. You can't give a point zero. And I was, it was definitely an eight point one. I like. I think it was. Even though can we go to two decimal points? Yeah, you, a rookie score? Yeah, you you can, but you have to have a, a special <laughs> way of doing it. But I, to, to me, I think like the fight was was really good. I was thinking about it. it was maybe in in like maybe watching it again and not realizing, you know, in a year's time when I watch this fight and kind of forget that Henry Sudo was coming in with with an injury. Maybe I, I'll think, what was I doing? Give it an eight point one. But I think the fact that he had that injury. The fact that he was kind of getting dominated early, and the fact he came back made this special. Like, made it after, and I, you know, in in my thing on severe metacom forward slash ratings, I have there's an entertainment factor as well, and just something about being special. It's all not all down to quality. It's about the moment, and you know, him becoming a double champion as well, and everything like that. I think it all comes together to make this more special. You know, and we, we talked about it for those last two fights as well. And I know Henry Cejudo talks about it. You know, him there be no controversy and all behind it, but there was controversy behind both of them, and the fact that. He him in there and he won this clean and in fact it was like the anti-controversy because he like he, there was nothing helping him everything was kind of against him coming into this fight the size and going up a weight and the injury and everything and he still came through and still won and i thought it was it was special and and, and really really good so fair play to, to henry sudo vanity and jessica i saw it, it was the mismatch we, we expected wasn't it yeah, it was it was more brutal than I expected. Mm-hmm. You don't really see knockouts like that in uh, in light lightweight in light divisions like one twenty five, um, but that was brutal. And I'm surprised I actually showed the the replays before Jessica I had uh, come round. Usually they they wait mm-hmm. as, like, a, while as a lashes ran out here. Sorry if anyone can hear. While me. she was getting head, head kicked on the replay repeatedly, the commentators were like, "She hasn't moved. She's switching or whatever." It's just like fucking hell. Yeah, and I, there was an odd bit as well where someone, I think it was Carmia maybe, he said, oh, she's moving, she's moving her head here, she's getting up, and then they kind of, they cut away, and then they came back, and it was like, she still hasn't moved, like, what What happened there, fucking hell, it was it was odd, maybe Carmia was just, I don't know, maybe he got distracted or something, but look, she did get up, and it, it seems like she's fine, I presume, I went to bed last night, but I presume she was transported to the hospital and stuff, and look, hopefully she's okay, but it was, you know, did we the big Jimmy Manoa one last week as well, this was, yeah, this but was even another one. Yeah, like, they cut, the, they cut to the corner of uh, Shushenko, and her head coach was just like, he didn't even celebrate, he was just like, oh, you could see his face, yeah. like, that was bad. Yeah, she was kind of like that as well, you know, she was standing there looking at after the fight and she was like oh god it was but it was this is the sort of mismatch that you know we, we thought it'd be me okay I gave the tip for um, and three from three if anyone severemeta.com first last patreon the, the betting uh, the betting podcast we did we, we got four from six you were one from three and I was three from three all three of my bets came true and this one uh, Valentina Shevchenko she'd never got a UFC KO before and this was the first time she ever got one and that was my um, that was my prediction but you know, watching this fight from the start, it was. I was watching it and I was like, watching Jessica I from the very, very start of this fight, hold her hands up so high, just leaves her body 
it's way too open to attacks from Valentina Shevchenko. And you saw that with the body lock even from the start. Even if before you get to the striking. You saw it with the body lock from the start. She got the takedown. I think she got two different takedowns in the first round. Dominator from on top. Looked like she was going to submit her at one stage. Um, with that Kimura near near the very end or the key lock or whatever it was. And was, was just moving kind of past her easily. And when you kind of saw that, I suppose. When Valentina Shevchenko is known mostly as a striker, although she's a good ground game as well, you, you know, all hope I think for Jessica I went went out of it, and then you know the finish was because of that as well. She just like in MMA you can't just have hands up and protect your head like a boxer. That's just not possible. People are going to kick you in the body. They're going to kick you in the legs. You have to. Well, at the lower level, up. you'll probably get away with it. There isn't people don't really use work the body effectively. But when you get to the high level, yeah. you get to fighter like Shevchenko, and you have an open target like that she's she's gonna hit it and then when you drop your hands to protect it she's gonna kick you in the head like she did mm-hmm. yeah no, that's actually like it, it was really simple Daniel Carmi I, I actually tweeted it and then Daniel Carmi said it kind of as I tweeted it but all she did she kept the hands high so just or so Avantina Shishinko attacked the body she attacked low and she hit the body 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 and then uh, Jessica I was like Jesus Christ I'm gonna have to protect this so she dropped her hands and then she came over the top and hit her with a head kick it was as simple as that but it was Someone not as good as, as Valentina Shevchenko wouldn't have made that look as simple. You know, it, it she made, you know, seven minutes or whatever it was, or, or you know, six minutes of, of setting up body shots for the head kick look simple. And that's not simple. It's not simple to keep going to the body all the time so that one head kick will, will get, you know, will, will, will be the money shot for you. As Daniel Cormier mentioned, like John Jones did to him. That's difficult because it's it's easy to throw maybe three body kicks and then come to the head. It's not easy to do it for five or six minutes or whatever it is and then go for it. That, I think that takes takes someone special. And it was funny actually because Laura Sanko was on Luke Thomas's show and she made a great point that the difference between the very good fighters in women's MMA and the elite fighters in women's MMA is not as big as it is in men's MMA. And I'd never thought of that, and I think it's a really, really good point. But the problem with this fight is, Jessica is not a really good <laughs> fighter. You know, that that's the problem here. She's a she's an okay fighter. She's a good fighter. She is a top 25 Seriously. fighter. <laughs> but she should not be fighting the likes of Valentina Shevchenko. And that... That really bore fruit here at, at the weekend, and you know, I, I suppose it was it was a good showcase fight for Valentina. If anything, do, do you think so? Ah, uh, definitely. When you get a knockout like that, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be on the highlight reel for years, and it's a it's a, a card that you know, if if you did watch with your with your friends, mm-hmm. uh, or you did watch, you'd be telling your friends, "Oh, you should check out this card. It's like a it's a good good card." So I'd say, I'd say, um. People, people will notice that knockout. It's, a, it's not one you can miss. Uh, it was devastating. Uh, it, it was it was per, picture perfect. So it's gonna be it's gonna be on that uh, Baba O'Reilly. Yeah, uh, unfortunately for years ago. Guy, yeah. So what's your rating for that one? Oh, uh, it's such a mismatch. Um, the knockout is is yeah. the fight overall. Um, Seven just for the knockout. Seven. The knockout's so rookie, good. Rookie score again, but now I give it a five point seven. I would, I would have given it a lot less because it's such a mismatch. If if it wasn't for the knockout, let's say if she just ground and pounded or even got that that submission late, it probably would have been, you know, four point five or something like that. You have to be harsh with this, I think, because we, you know, we we get lot. We get I think lots the knockout of good is so good though that, mm. that the knockout is so picture perfect. I, I gave it, it I gave it like it an extra one point two, one point three for the extra knockout. I think that I think that was enough. You know, when you need two sides to the fight as well. When you just have one side of the fight. I, 
I think it's fair to get around the five and five point seven. That's not a bad. Yeah, score. I don't know. I wouldn't really look like that. I like it. there's a lot of mismatches in MMA, and sometimes fights that look close on paper end up looking like mismatches. Um, mm-hmm. Like for example, if somebody knocks somebody out quickly, um, so like I wouldn't necessarily give it give it a low score because it's a mismatch. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, let's uh, let's talk about Daniel Cerrone versus. Tony Ferguson and but you know let's talk about the fight before we get to the actual ending it was it was a very interesting fight because Tony Ferguson you know he didn't look great from the start here you know Cowboy was but he's always a slow starter isn't he yeah but I don't think he's ever been this slow as hard you know Cowboy was Cowboy was boxing him up he was he was jabbing like okay I can see you know like the land of an Ada fight or the Edson Barboza fight when lads come in and go balls out to fucking hit you and stuff it's it's harder to be a fast starter it's easier to be a slow starter but when a lad is just kind of technically jabbing you up and hitting you <coughs> with beautiful one twos and a little bit of leg kicks as well I don't Cowboy didn't throw that many leg kicks I didn't expect that early and I think it is tantamount to or is that the right word I don't know but to, to Cowboy's improvements with his boxing and we talked about that I like went to fight last week and he definitely has improved an awful lot and i think it showed in this fight but it didn't take ferguson long it it didn't i think this this kind of the middle part of the first round he kind of came alive and cowboy came back into it to his credit in, in kind of the end of the first round but it was a very very close round i think the judges were split on it but in the second ferguson you know he was utterly dominant uh he was just he was landing those little turning elbows and when he started landing them you you know it's kind of vintage ferguson coming back he was landing lovely body kicks there was a lovely body shot at one stage and i thought it was going to rattle cerrone but in fairness he he, st- he stood up to it. fair play to him and it was it was just that pressure that all action tony ferguson that we've come to know and love just just really came back and he bursted up down cerrone's face and it was just it was a brilliant display from before we get to the finish. What, what did you think of, of Tony Ferguson? Do you think it was vintage Tony Ferguson, or do you think he was a little bit off, maybe even after the the early start? Yeah, I think he's. I think he was definitely off, but I think it's understandable after yeah. all the the personal problems and um, a bad knee injury, a really bad knee injury that kept him out for a long time. So I think that's to be expected, mm-hmm. uh, and especially when you're already kind of known for a slow starter. I, I kind of mentioned that I don't know if it was the, I think it was a lot last week's podcast. That, yeah it's kind of like the only way Cerrone's going to win this is if if he can start quicker and if Tony starts slower so um, he obviously he did some damage and had some success in the first round Cerrone did but it did seem like I gave the first round to Tony just Mm -hmm. it did seem to it did seem to once Tony kind of or once uh, Tony kind of put some damage on Cerrone uh, Cerrone was kind of not the same then and Tony's kind of able to just take the damage and keep doing what he's doing more effectively than Cerrone and that seemed to to be the difference yeah it was like it was a really really fun fight and then there, were, there was some sloppy things from Tony though like he he turned his back he at one stage that, yeah that was very odd yeah it? he turned his back for ages at one stage not for ages but like for longer than he it was probably only a split second but it was longer than a lot longer than it should have been mm-hmm yeah, it's like he's he's done that before. He definitely turned his back for. That's kind of the the wild lad he is, and he probably had some setup for doing that. But the fact that he did it, like, I think he did it like three times. As you said, one one time it was like you know two and a half seconds or something. And it probably wasn't even that long. It just looks longer because because it was an odd. Yeah, position. It seems like so long yeah. because you never see it. Yeah, because you never see. It. Yeah, and it was it was it was very yeah. But there was, yeah, it definitely wasn't. 
It was vintage Tony for bits and pieces, but I think he can fight a lot better than that. And the fact that he still came through in one was, was big. But what did you think of the finish? I like, I don't know. Tell me your thoughts on the finish and then I might develop my own. Because I don't really have, I don't know. I don't know what to think it's of It's a it. strange situation because mm-hmm. like the, the, he got punched in the nose and then a second later he needed, he like he had the urge to blow his nose. He should know better, Cerrone, because blowing your nose when it's damaged like that will swell up your eye nearly all the time we've seen it before and a lot of times in the, in years ago uh, um, so Cerrone should have known better but he did get hit clean in the face and nose right after the bell or not right after the bell a second after the bell and a clear illegal shot mm-hmm. and ugh, there was blame on both sides he shouldn't have done that but he's probably like you know he just got hit in the face his mind is probably scrambled he's eaten damage he, he looked like about 20 years older than when he his last fight mm-hmm. by the end of that fight so um, it's a tough one because he, he did land an illegal strike that effectively ended the fight in the end what what do you think of the referee at the end the way he was kind of asking Rogan it was, no no <laughs> but no the referee just at the end of the round like referee should be faster yeah. in there but the way he was kind of asking Rogan what happened yeah. when he was after watching the replay he was kind of confirming trying to confirm what he thought with Rogan it was kind of strange. Yeah, like I, it happened in, in another fight as well, where there was a, a late punch. But one of the earlier fights, we, we'll probably get to in a while. But I really think the referees, the referees, when the end of the, the round, it should be like the end of the fight. You should be in there fucking pushing a guy away, getting getting them out. Don't let that final shot happen. Get like put your face right. You take the punch if you need to take the fucking punch. Like you know, I I really think that Dan was too slow in there. He, you need to fucking take charge of that situation and break it up. Like it's someone getting knocked out. Like it's Dan Henderson coming down on top of Michael Bisping. You need you. I really think that you know, and people are too lackadaisical, especially in a fight like that. You have to get in there and you have to break up that fight immediately. But leaving that aside. It's. I, I really think it's a different one because I think Jack Durge has made a great point uh, to me on Twitter last night. He already had a broken nose, so was the last punch the, the the total damage that caused the fight to end? It wasn't because he already had the broken nose plus Cowboy blew out his nose. So there's maybe three factors in there. There was the, the first punch that broke the nose. There was the second punch that definitely made it worse and hit the eye as well and definitely exacerbated it. But then there was the Cowboy thing as well. Is that fair enough to, to give Tony Ferguson a no contest or a DQ or whatever it would have been? You know, you'd never know about these lads. But because of that, I don't it's know. It's hard to know how much damage that punch did yeah. do. Like, yeah. If he hadn't have had his head scrambled by that punch, would he have blown his nose out? Or was it because because he got his, his brain scrambled by that punch after the bell that he had a momentary lapse of reason and blew his nose? Yeah, it's... You know, it's a difficult one. Anything they would have done here, I wouldn't criticise them too much for it. I think it's a very, very tough situation. I'm kind of an I think answer. it should have been a no contest at the time. I, was just like, just, I think, like, you know, you landed in a legal shot after the bell, like, you blew it, like. Yeah, maybe, but if, I don't know. It's. Uh, do you think the referee kind of blamed himself a little bit as well and didn't want to give it as a no contest because he should have been in there and stopped that fight? I think there might a little bit... It's hard to know, yeah, maybe a bit of that, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, I feel like they got it right. It just, I feel like they just got it right. I, I don't know, I honestly... I, I don't have big feelings about this, to be honest. I don't. Uh, maybe someone will break it down better than me. I'm not the one for this. I've, I've given you a couple of good breakdowns already, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's What What do you think they do from this? Like, Do you think it's reason enough to do a rematch? Or do you, like, Tony should really get Habib... Winner of Habib versus Barry now, shouldn't he? Yeah, um... For Tony, it's probably better to not fight Habib next or 
you think so? How come? Yeah, because he looks sloppy enough and a bit rusty. Ah, he'll come from it though. I think he'll get better because of this fight as well. Yeah, but if he fought Cerrone again, I don't think it would. I think he'd win. Yeah, and I think it would be better warm up, match sharpness. You know, you don't want to go out there like Harry Kane or Roberto Firmino. Yeah, that is true. Ten against ten. That is true. <laughs> but, uh, maybe to put him on that card in September. What that? That's three months away now. I know Cerrone got a bad, you know, a bad broken nose or whatever. Ah, Cerrone be grand. Don't he'd be grand. He, three months. <laughs> he'd probably fight again before that and come back. So maybe, maybe they put it on that card. And, you know, I think Ferguson would be happy enough probably to f- to fight on that card. Maybe if he isn't getting the title shot next, but you know, Conor McGregor is injured. He's well, like, what was the level of? Con- I watched it back today. Like, so what was the level of like controversy like, for people? I don't know. I, I were think, only people go mad, or were? No, I think I think people were kind of as similar to me. Like, oh, it's a tough situation. You know, do you always have some people who are pure on one side and pure on the other side? But yeah, well, I suppose if you have like, uh, if you have. Your accumulator ruined or something by it. You're mm. gonna be, you're gonna be livid. But. Yeah. Also, that was one of my bets. Tony Ferguson, <laughs> TKO, KO, and I, don't, I don't think that uh, altered my thinking on it because I don't know what the thinking on it was. But that was one of the other bets. But yeah, look, what, what would you give the fight though? Was it still a very, very good fight? What rating would you give it? 7.3. That's what I gave it as well. <laughs> I gave it a seven point three. Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, it would have been. I think it would have been more only for. I was very tempted to give it a rookie score, yeah. but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> just to make you say it every time you ask me just give a rookie score for the rest I of the time I like that I like that gimmick that's a good gimmick but I think it would have been I was thinking about it was like because Henry Cejudo I gave it an 8.1 that fight and I think because the ending was uh, very good and the fight kind of turned around whereas this the ending took away from the fight a little bit and there was booing afterwards and they were throwing things into the octagon and stuff it you know, it was entertaining, definitely, and it was, it was yeah, a bit of chaos is, is always yeah, entertaining. It, was, it, was it makes you watch a bit closer to see what's going on. You think, stop what you're doing if you're distracted. I think it was a classic fight that was, I wouldn't say ruined, but it was it was a little bit ruined by by the finish. You know, and if, I don't know who to, I don't really blame anyone too much. Like, there's a bit of blame for everyone. You can blame the ref and Tony and Cerrone. I think is the well, least yeah. to blame. Yeah, he probably is the least to blame, but he's a bit, little bit of blame as well for blowing out the night. He knew straight away. Like, I mean, but I he just got smacked in the yeah, face he when did, he thought yeah. the round was over. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has the least blame, hundred percent. But yeah, it was, it was a good fight anyway. And uh, look, if, if we saw it again, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too mad uh, about it. Right, let's run through a few more of these fights here. Peter Yan versus Jimmy Rivera. One of your bets that came off. You said he'd win by decision, and that he did. Wasn't a classic Peter Yanda, was it? I thought I'm. I I didn't hear the post by Pest conference or anything, but I'm pretty sure Peter Yan, if not broke his foot, hurt his foot from the very first shot because he just didn't look the same after it. He he seemed to be rushing his work, and uh, Jimmy Rivera was kind of picking him off for for most of the fight. But the fact that Peter Yan was able to land those big shots late in the first, late in the second, and then had a good third round as well. He won the fight overall. He won the fight in a ten by month system, but I think Jimmy Rivera won the majority of that fight. It was it wasn't a great display from Peter Yan, but mm. I think it was because of that leg injury, maybe. What do you think? Yeah, well, it's hard to look good against Jimmy Rivera, and he, he, we talked about it. He's quietly like nobody really talks about him, but he's quietly a very good fighter. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it was a big step over Peter Yan, and I was kind of thinking the same thing that he looked a bit off. Maybe it was due to some kind of injury or knock, but. He he got the job done, and that's the sign of like you know, it's a bit of adversity there. Let's let's assume that he did have some kind of injury, mm-hmm. you know, that can you know that can really put you off, especially if you, that's never happened to you before in like a big fight. So he, he's 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 answering a lot of questions on his way up, but 
maybe people were expecting a bit more finish from him. But as as I was saying, I think I think when I was when I was uh, making my prediction on this fight and when I was giving the bet on Patreon that you know he's it, it, a tough guy to finish, Jimmy Rivera. That's why I picked decision and. Peter Jan's very good prospect, a very good fighter, but at these weights, it's hard to put people away as well. They're so scrambly, and there isn't that many knockouts at these lower weights, even though we did see a vicious one from Shushenko. It's rare compared to the, the higher division. So uh, he's a very, very difficult guy to finish, Rivera, and a difficult guy to look good against, but uh, he passed the test, Peter Jan, and overcame adversity, so I think it's a good sign. Yeah, 100%. And there's other things, there's things to go back and look on yeah. and, uh, and fix, and it'll probably be a, he won and he gets to, he gets to look back and improve. And when you have that power as well, you know, in, in that division, it, it is a game changer, oh, you know, he hits very hard, even, you know, there might be that those big knockouts, and he will get big knockouts, but those big knockdowns, he got two big knockdowns, and that big knee as well, that, that could kind of, I don't know, was it a knee, or was it a, a shin, but he kind of caught him up, and, you know, it's those things are game changers for a guy like Peter Yan in in a fight where he's kind of losing for the majority, as I said. And those big shots take back the round, and it's it's when you can land him, it's an absolute game changer. So you know, fair play to him. Not the best uh, display he's had against the, probably the best fighter he's ever fought, yet he still won. That's the mark of a really really good fighter. And you know, Peter Yan is is fantastic. We're pronouncing his name wrong, but I don't care. I'm gonna. Keep, keep calling him Peter. Uh, Ivanov versus Tuivasa was pretty shy, so we're not going to talk about that. Tatiana Suarez versus Nina Ansarov. This was kind of the fight I, I thought it would be. I thought Nina Ansarov would do well for portions, and she definitely did in the third. She won that third round, but Tatiana Suarez is just too strong, too big, too good in the first two rounds. Like, I, I, watching um, Nina Ansarov, she didn't do great in the first two rounds. She did well to kind of defend herself and not take too much damage. But there was times. No, I when... thought she did do well because I thought she was going to get. She's going to get finished on the ground, and she, she battled well. And as you said, she she won the third round. But uh, it's probably the best performance we've seen against uh, Tatiana. Yeah, but I say she didn't do well. It just because... shows how dominant she's been. I feel like against people like Tatiana Suarez and Habib Nurmagomedov, people forget that they're only fighters. Now, that's a harsh thing to say, but I think that if you get your fucking underhook and you can, or you control a wrist with one hand and get the underhook with the other hand and turn them away, they're only human. You can you can turn them away. We saw Gleason Tebow doing it to Habib Nurmagomedov. You, you can do it. You're only human. But when you kind of get, fuck, I'm stuck against the fence, there's nothing I can do, and panic, and kind of let them take you down, you're screwed, like, you're absolutely screwed in that position, I think she did that a couple of times, now that's extremely harsh, but I'm, uh, I, you have to be extremely harsh when you're talking about uh, a number one con- title contendership fight here, and I think that's what it was, and I, uh, any, no one has probably championed me more than Ian Answerov, I think she's fantastic, but she let those little bits go, but there was also the vast majority of those first two rounds, or Tatiana Suarez just not allowing her any space. Like, there was no space for underhooks at most of the time. She, it's almost like she bear hugs you and doesn't give you one bit of space. It's it's almost worse than Habib because Habib gives you a little bit of space and he lets you move and then he just destroys you from that new position. Like, a second later, he just moves and moves and moves and never stops. Whereas she just doesn't let you... She, you know, she's... I won't say John Fitch, but that kind of domination, just you can't do anything, just ruins your night for you. And that was... You know, she did that for the first two rounds. But in in the, in the third round, 
there's a thing with Suarez is she's very right hand heavy in terms of her grappling and when you circle into that right hand and she gets the right hand around you she's taking you down no matter what happens or she's pushing you against the fence and she's making it really tough for you but when you circle away from that or either circling away to your left and get really around the right hand so she can't she can't get it around you or when you're circling towards the other side and getting away from it as well I think you can do well I think someone you know who you know an Alexander Gustafsson <laughs> type who circles and circles and circles would be a very very tough matchup for Tatiana Suarez because she, she wouldn't be able to get near him and if they jabbed her up and stuff like that I think if you had a good three round game plan against Tatiana Suarez I think it you know you could do well against her but she only needs one opportunity as well per round to get you down and, and, and pull you out of it but Suarez showed that there are glimpses of hope if you're fighting Suarez and especially if someone like Rosam Yunus I think she went in if she went in there with a good game plan against Suarez I think she'd be well able to, to beat her but Suarez is, is improving as well. I, I think, you know, people are saying maybe it's not the best display she's ever had, but I think it's the best fighter she's ever fought. I really, really think Ansarov is underrated by a lot of people. And it was a you know, it was a it was a really, really good win. But overall, what did you what, what what did you think of the fight overall? Did you think it was a classic fight or not? It was it was just okay. Well it definitely wasn't a classic, yeah. but it was uh it was more competitive probably than, than I expected and um that's not, that's not saying anything bad about Nina. That's more uh, uh, how, how highly I rate Suarez. But yeah, she, I think she's a nightmare matchup for anybody in, in the division. If if she can get a hold of you, it's 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 really difficult to, to get out of there. And she's so strong. But you know, she she hasn't stepped up to the, the very top level yet. And it's always hard to know. Uh, these these guys are. Are more technically technically uh, gifted as you get higher, and yeah. they they're better f- f- at forming and following game plans as well. And as you say, there is there's ways to beat every fighter. Just because they're dominant somewhere doesn't mean they're only human, as you say. You know, it doesn't mean they can't be beaten or can't be taken out of their game and can't be knocked out or can't be submitted. You know, they still have a neck and an, an arm and everything that you have, mm-hmm. and you, you can't be submitted. So, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what, who they're going to give her next. I don't know if that like I don't think that'll slow slower roll. But I'd, like Rose is just coming off a a bad knockout. I doubt it'll be her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it, it, like if she loses that after, like if she came back and lost to Tatiana Suarez, it would be, it would be a bad situation for her. probably ill advised for the UFC to do it and ill advised for for. Would you, would you put her? Would you put her straight in there against Andrade? Suarez, I mean. <sighs> I think, yeah, I think, I think she'd be the champion then if she, if she fought Andrade. But I think, I think, give her Ian J. I don't know. I don't know if she has the the name value yet. Mm-hmm. I think they might. Yeah, if they gave her you and Ian J. Check and she beat her. That would give her much more name value. Mm-hmm. I think it's a tough fight as well, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what Tatiana Suarez goes. Maybe I'll talk about more about that in the, the Q and A. But um, Aljamain Sterling, I would think it was probably yeah. the you know the the best display of his his career. He looked really good. It was it was one where. I, I described him as a little bit like Anderson Silva after it in, in terms of his slickness and in terms of his ability to kind of move away from shots when you just think he's about to get hit. That was really, really good. And it's difficult to do that over three rounds and be technically better over three rounds against someone as good as Pedro Munoz who hits as hard as Pedro Munoz. 
but there was there was a big disparity in technique, I think, and a big disparity in game planning. But I think Aljamain Sterling, at one stage, I thought he was maybe getting a little bit too cocky or letting his hands down a little bit too much and trying to get uh, uh, Pedro Munoz to come on to him a little bit too much. But, you know, it worked out for him in the end. It was a br- brilliant, brilliant performance. I was I was very impressed. Were you impressed with him? Yeah, I was, yeah. we I always talk about... He just like he has all the ability. He just needs to put it together, and mm-hmm. it looks like now in a couple of fights in a row that he is putting it together. And maybe it's time for him to. I know that's that, that's a very tough opponent in Pedro Munez that he just beat, but to step up again and really make a go at at, at the at going for the title here because I think he has all the abilities and maybe something like a bit of showboating or it might come back to haunt him if if he doesn't cut that out. But it's uh it works the other way where it infuriates your opponent sometimes and makes them sloppy as well. So maybe that's what he's thinking there, or maybe it just is an arrogance. It's uh, I don't, I don't think it's, it's like you know, it's, it's too much that it's, you know, yeah. like Anderson Silva, you were always kind of worried, like, oh, this is going to come back and bite you, and it, and it did. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that flamboyant, but it, it is something maybe that you, you could, you could get rid of if you were going to. If you're going to go up the upper echelon, other guys at the at the very top will take advantage of any split second yeah. dilly dallying. I think it's interesting to see how he adjusts to five rounds as well, because last night was a very much a three round game plan. So I, I think it's interesting to see how he adjusts that. And also Henry Cejudo was, you know, Aljamain Sterling was kind of notable by his absence in Henry Cejudo's post fight uh, uh, promo. He called out Dominic Cruz and Uriah Faber and Cody Garbrandt, and there was no call out for for Aljamain Sterling. So maybe Sterling won't, won't be getting that fight. But I want you know it's interesting to see what happens in that 135 pound division and the 125 pound division as well. Like will Henry Cejudo go up and down? Dana White said afterwards that the flyweight division is staying. So I wonder will the flyweight division stay as the women's featherweight division has stayed with just the champion and. Not and nothing else there or will they actually sign back those lads I think they've only like 12 flyweights now or something like that and two of them are gone up to to uh, bantamweight so it's you know interesting times ahead hopefully mm. they do keep the flyweight division and you know Henry Saudo can defend his belt or whatever but it's you know, Dana White could be just saying that because he doesn't want to answer questions about closing no, it down. He he said it flat out. Like someone asked him, uh, "Is this the end?" No, but he said, someone asked him, "Is this the end of the flyweight division?" He goes, "Have I ever said that?" And uh, he's never said that. Don't report that until I say it. And did, I think it was John Morgan actually. And then John asked him. Uh, unfortunately, didn't ask about the BT Sport deal. But um, John asked him then. Okay, we'll ask you the other way around. Is the flyweight division staying? He goes, "Yes, you can say it. It's official. The flyweight division is is sticking around or whatever." Um, so yeah, look. It, for it how seems, long? It seems like, like a few weeks. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's see as well. Interesting times ahead. Alexa Grasso then against your girl Karolina Kowalkiewicz. Yeah, looked great, didn't she? Look, yeah, look she like really did. Top fighter we expected her to be. Yeah, she, well, like this is kind of what when she first came into UFC. This is the fighter that people were kind of saying she was, and maybe she needed she needed a few fights to kind of get into her rhythm or to to improve. But this was a like you know beating Carolina Kowalkiewicz is no mean feat and. A dominant decision against her is is is, is huge. Um, it really shows that she's Alexa Grasso is a is is a top level fighter. Yeah, hundred percent. She she did uh, extremely well. I'm looking forward to seeing where she goes next. You know, after a few setbacks. So that women's throwback division, we talk about it a lot. But that that division, especially in the the state of the UFC, that division is is a really really good division. There's lots of quality there, and you know she's definitely one coming through. So looking forward to seeing what's for her next. And Calvin Cater got that beautiful KO over Cardo Lamas with that fake jab, yeah. left hook, and right hand. 
just absolutely brilliant. That was really good. And Ricardo Lamas, you know, he's taking a few of them now as well. So interesting to see where he goes from here. Uh, Darren Stewart had a good decision win over Bevan Lewis. Eddie Wineland had a brilliant TKO win. Caitlin Chukagan, Joanne Calderwood, not a classic, but good dis- good judging there, I think. And then Sean and Yan defeated Angela Lee in one of those fights where Joe Rogan was absolutely fucking classic Joe Rogan. Literally Angela roaring Hill, instructions. Mean, not Angela Lee. Well, Angela, sorry, sorry, yeah, Angela Hill. But uh, Joe Rogan's roaring instructions at Angela Hill, literally just cheerleading her from um, from the commentary room. Angela Hill is like, the, I, I don't know if she's that much younger than her because she's old enough, but um, what's her name? Roxanne Mataferi. She's like a young Roxanne Mataferi, basically. She's, people absolutely love her, but sure, look, these things happen in MMA. Overall, though, pretty. Yeah, what would you think the reaction would be if like an Irish commentator was like sharing uh, instructions like sure. Conor McGregor? <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, remember that time there was was it Cyril Diabate um uh retired and people clapped him after he did it in the press room. I was like, I've no problem with that. There's, there's not no he's no longer a fighter, you're not cheering him on or anything. And people went mad over Oh, you can't be clapping, you can't be showing favoritism. Jeez, the guy just fucking retired. And but the people on on Twitter and you know, different places doing like these love notes to some of these fighters and it's you know, if you want to admit that, like me with Wonderboy, you know, it's kind of an ongoing joke or whatever, <laughs> you know, whoever else, fair enough, there's no problem with that, but don't act all high and mighty then when things like that happen, I fucking hate that shit, but yeah, if, if someone had done that with an Irish person, if they were cheering them on like that, we'd never hear a fucking end of it, but... You know, that's that's the difference, I suppose. But, um, right, let's get on. Before we get to some questions, there's a big Bellator card next week. No UFC card next week, but a huge Bellator card. Rory McDonald versus Neiman Gracie. Leota Machida versus Chael Sonnen. Darian Caldwell, the, the champion over in, uh, in where is it, Ryzen, fighting against Kyoji Haraguchi in that rematch. Yeah, that that's great a great fight, fight isn't it? Your boy Dylan Dennis is coming back as well. Ricky Bandeas as well is coming back here against Patrick Mix, the, 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 the Galagot killer. Um and and Heather Hardy's on this card as well. Pretty pretty good fight the whole way down. It's obviously going to be on uh, on Sky Sports. How would you? Let's talk about a couple of those fights pretty quickly. Here. Actually, before yeah, uh, you, I asked you before, uh, I think the last Bellator card because I don't have Sky Sports news anymore or, or a TV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't have a TV? No, I don't have a TV. What? Just watch. What's wrong with you? Watch stuff on the laptop. Oh. I don't really watch TV. I just watch like sport, live sport, and then. Like, I don't like watching ads, <laughs> but uh, uh, has has the UFC been or the the Bellator cards been mentioned much on Sky Sports News? I don't know actually. I, maybe people can tweet us in. I haven't been watching Sky Sports News that much recently, and I've I've been reading my Game of Thrones books and stuff and watching TV. I don't know. I I don't know. I, I, have, I haven't heard of it. Like you know, the perfect Chael Sonnen on the card, Warren McDonald, Dylan Dennis. Like this is a good chance for them if they're going to push it to push it. Like. Mm-hmm. Machida, yeah. like a, it, a it Gracie. Is a good chance. It, I know it's it's an undefeated Gracie. I've seen ads for it definitely. Anyway, there's and there was ads on BT Sport actually as well last night. So they're pushing and they're pushing the uh, the London card as well an awful lot. I have seen it a couple of times like along the side and you know that not just kind of along the, you know the big one along the side with like the next Bellator card coming up. I've seen that a couple of times, but I haven't been watching Sky Sports News that much. Maybe someone can tweet us in and and let us know. Um, but yeah, I'll I, I watch out for it this week, actually, and if I see it, I'll, I'll tweet it out. But yeah, it's this would be a good card, though, wouldn't it? Because you have you have Rory McDonald. Like, Rory, remember after his last fight against, who was it, like you, you have Rory McDonald against the Gracie. You have Chael mm. Sonnen, who can talk. You have Machida, who's a former champion. Yeah. A lot of people know. You have Dylan Dennis, McGregor's training partner. Mm-hmm. You have Haraguchi and Caldwell, which is a great fight. Okay, mate, nobody knows it, but there's some good, like, you know, Eduardo Nantes is on the card. This is a... This is a 
the guy who beat James Gallagher, mm-hmm. uh, Bandeas is on the card. Like this is a this is a good card. Yeah, one hundred percent, definitely a good card. What do you think of the Rory McDonald Liam Gracie fight? Like. <sighs> It should be a Rory McDonald win, but you never know after that last What's performance. What's going on with Rory McDonald, though? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't seem to care anymore. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's an interesting that to be going into an MMA fight, not really giving like, a shit. No, I think Lyman Gracie's maybe, he's 9 no, so you have to respect that, but I think coming into this federal, or this uh, welterweight semi-final, or this uh, welterweight tournament, and this is a semi-final of it now, the Grand Prix, and how did Rory McDonald get to this fight when the last fight was a draw like that? <laughs> still, makes, that still makes no champ. fucking sense. Absolutely oh, no sense. Oh, uh, but yeah, look, you, you look, I always expect Rory McDonald to, to jab lads up, maybe get a couple of take Maybe not against Gracie, but I just expect mm. him to, to jab lads up for, for the, 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 what is it? Is it three rounds of fight? It's three rounds, I think, isn't it? Or is it five? I don't know. But anyway. I think uh, it's three. Yeah, it's interesting to see how that'll go. Leon Machida versus Chel Sonnen. This should be an easy Leona Machida win, I think. Chelsea and uh, the main event is actually five, five, oh, five minutes. Oh, five. oh yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you think Chelsea has a chance here, or do you think it'll be Leota? <sighs> I think Chelsea has a chance. It depends on Leota, really. Uh, I definitely go with Leota, but if if Chelsea can hold him down for the first round, it becomes an uphill battle, and Machida sometimes can do a lot of standing there doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it depends on which Machida shows up but if Machida it's Machida's fight to lose really I think yeah like uh, I think Chilton is obviously unbelievably good takedowns but Machida's unbelievably hard to take down and hold down and uh, he's very I think elusive I old recently as well like yeah, I know Machida's not exactly young either but mm-hmm. yeah Chael has looked horrendous recently he did, you know, he's doing a lot of stuff as well he's doing his uh, his um, podcast and he's you know, working for the UFC and working for Bellator and all that. You know, he he beat Rampage Jackson, Jackson two fights ago, in fairness, but and he beat Wanderlei as well. But he's lost to Fedor, lost to Tito, and he looked very old in that. Lost to Rashad. Um, so yeah, it's look, it's interesting to see where that fight will go. You know, if Chill can get that early takedown in the first round, that'll give him, you know. Uh, heart to get it in the second round as well maybe and uh, you know maybe it'll, it'll, it'll snowball from there but yeah I'd expect Leota to run around land those couple of big shots Shale has never been a guy for taking big shots and if Leota can land a few I think it'll probably be a finish there for Leota but um, Dylan Dennis as well coming back here I suppose let's see how he does against Max Humphrey who's 3-2 who's Darian Caldwell yeah. yeah go on tell us the, the guy fighting as 10 amateur fights and he lost 6 and won 4 of them not a great record but he has a lot of experience and mm-hmm. Like Dennis, like in his first fight, he pulled guard to get to get a finish, and that's not going to work. Maybe it'll work against Max Humphreys, but it's not going to work as you as you get higher. So it's kind of it's not if Dylan Dennis can win here. It's more if if we can show he can show us something that he, that he's able, he's going to be a, a competent or a good MMA fighter because we don't really know yet. We we like you're pulling guard, mm-hmm. okay, you're getting wins and you're getting paid, great, but. We're not. It's not going to work at any kind of decent level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree as well. It's it's interesting. Like we we look at Gary Tonin and how he's improved his striking. Looks like a really good all round mixed martial artist. And even Cron Gracie looked a bit a little bit better in his last fight as well. So it's interesting to see if Dennis can do that. If he can get a little bit of a jab going and stuff like that. You know, he's training with McGregor. Well, and I kind of said that. I suppose like if you look at look at um what's his name Ryan Hall. Like if you can have that level of, of true, attack from your back, okay, but. It remains to be seen. Like I, I don't watch jujitsu. Like I, you hear that Dennis is brilliant and all, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm sure he is. But MMA is different. The strikes involved, all that stuff. Being on your back, you're kind of open to strike. So it's 
it's a different game and it, we just we just don't know what Dallas is, is like as an MMA fighter mm-hmm. yet at all. Yeah, 100%. And I don't think this is gonna answer many questions, but we might see we might see we might see something, but I don't think we're gonna see much to tell us tell us how good he can be or, or if he can be good. Mm. And I suppose the the best fight in this card is Darian Caldwell against Kyoji Haraguchi. Haraguchi obviously won their first me- rematch or their first fight even in Risen, and this is this is the rematch. But Darian Caldwell kind of dominated that fight, and uh, Haraguchi caught him in, in a guillotine late. And a lot of people were talking about how the, the you know the fence was or the the, the ring was a big uh, factor in that because he was able to kind of escape from it. And maybe if it was in a cage, it wouldn't have happened. Oh, who'd you fancy in this? You know, I, I know usually when guys fight what six months or a year or whatever it is uh, not even that much after uh, they first fought and one guy has won and they're both kind of in their yeah. prime you'd probably pick that guy to win again but I don't know I think I Darren Caldwell his yeah. style matchup his wrestling is very very good um, and he's just Haraguchi's really a really good fighter and like he's shown that in the UFC and he's shown that outside the UFC but I think that was a bit of a lucky win it was sloppy from yeah it was kind of like sloppy from Caldwell I think he'll be he'll be trying to make sure that doesn't happen again I think he'll probably he'll probably win a decision here mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I agree with that uh, right let's move on to a couple of questions before we head off here uh, patreon.com first slash severe podcast if you want your question 100% answered and everyone's question twitter facebook instagram the whole lot will all be answered on the Q&A out every Tuesday morning so if you answer the question if you ask the question even it will be answered there so go over and check it out right Christopher Graham has asked a few times about uh, four man tournaments um uh, what are your thoughts on using four-man tournaments to term interim champions number one contenders when a champion's injured or a four-man tournament? Uh, Connor versus Nate, Pettis winner, and Tony versus Habib, Dustin winner, and the winner faces a returning GSP. Sorry for all the, the Tony questions. Yeah, like, Nate Diaz was on with Ariel Hawani during the week, and he was kind of hinting at a, a four-man tournament between him, McGregor, GSP, and Habib. Like, I don't know, did I, would that work in MMA because... Of injuries and different losses and rematches and stuff. It's they could work, I suppose, if everything goes right. But things don't really go right all the time in MMA. What you what you think of these four man tournaments? Yeah, like in theory, these always sound good. But then uh, one guy takes a lot of damage and the fight has to be delayed, and then the other guy's on the shelf too. And that's probably like the, the smallest hiccup that can happen in the in it. Like anything can happen. These these tournaments fall apart all the time. But mm-hmm. I think. Uh, Diaz is one of GSP is more complicated as well because of different weight classes. Um, but yeah, I, like regularly, I think you're they're gonna fall apart. But you can get away. You probably like the chances of getting away with it are probably fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you can do it every now and again. Yeah, let's, and, let's, and it, let's would, have some it would create fun. a bit of excitement if you have a big press conference and you have McGregor and. Habib and Diaz and GSP on the stage would be great crack like so yeah do you have to get me excited now I'd love to see that <laughs> <laughs> let's do that let's do it um, Dara O'Sullivan uh, is Henry Cejudo the most unlikable guy in the UFC and no no you don't think so why who is Henry Cejudo mm-hmm. no definitely not uh, what, do, what do you think of his gimmick like he's just being a weird cringe gimmick dude I don't I, I just yeah. think he's funny I just think uh, he's funny I like it sometimes I think it is funny sometimes but that at the way like, it was he, just he, so he, embarrassing like, remember the time where like he mentioned his like gold medal a lot when he was time for the UFC and then he obviously like saw it online and then just the next interview mentions it even more yeah. <laughs> I love that he's just like wearing it in all the next interview and like talking about it constantly it was brilliant but I think, did like, I mention I won a gold medal I, I think when it's like 
okay, subtle is definitely the wrong word <laughs> for that. <laughs> like, a kind of subtle dickheadedness. I love that. That's the Shanxi and right out of the Shanxi and playbook. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like like it's it, there's a very very thin line between being funny and going over the top and over the top's the wrong word but going you know just that stupid <laughs> it being stupid and i think it was at that uh it wasn't a win it was the media there or whatever it was with with the the mouse thing and with the snake and then with the oh, just that was embarrassing but i i think you know the the promo he got afterwards was was pretty funny and stuff as well. It was like I'm a triple C and all like it's the cringiness of that. That is funny, but I I feel like he has to be careful with it because if you go too far, people will just get tired of it. And you know it's another thing as well that people can't copy. I hope they don't. You know people copy Chael and people copy McGregor and people you know copy everyone that does anything different. And people can't copy Henry Sudo because if they do, it'll fucking it'll be awful. But, but uh, you know these things happen anyway. anyway. All right, one or two <laughs> more from uh, Twitter here. Noblaras about uh, was the eye an early the eye fight an early stoppage in the Marais fight an early stoppage? Yeah, it was definitely early. It was in on the single leg. Yeah, it was still going. Um, <laughs> Gavin Springer. Loads of people have asked about the BT Sports. Paul there, oh. Danny, Justin, Colin, Kieran, John, loads of people. And I'll answer them all in the Q&A, but here, here's one from uh, Gavin Springer. How much of a mistake is BT making by trying to make the UFC 239 card a pay-per-view event? Bad enough most UFC fans pay £30 plus for BT Sport for the UFC alone, yet make an extra 20 for watching a sporting event live at 3 to 6 a.m. Good one, dickheads, he says. Yeah, that's that's Yeah, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like people always talk about. Oh, I'm gonna cancel. They're not gonna cancel. Like majority of people, they're gonna want to watch the Champions League, the Premier League. Mm-hmm. The now would be a good whatever. time to cancel it because there's no Premier League, no Champions League, and it is. Ah, uh, but it, it, starting up, all the sports starts up again in about three weeks. <laughs> yeah, but it'd be a good time to cancel now, just before that that car comes. Go on. to the hassle of canceling and starting up again. Like no, people, are, the majority of people aren't gonna do that. They won't do that. Gonna, the majority of people have the ability not to buy this card as well, though. I think yeah, that's I think that's what's gonna, that's what's gonna happen. People aren't gonna buy it. It's gonna maybe they'll do it once or twice, and then. Maybe they'll wait for McGregor. They'll think, "Oh, well, so when we get McGregor, then it'll be good." And then we could get stuck with it. But I don't think so. I think it's going to be a flop, and it's just going to stop because, uh, yeah, nobody's going to buy it. Yeah, no, not nobody, but it's going to be not worth it. The, the money's going to be so minuscule, small potatoes. Yeah, and as I, Donald Trump yeah. would say. That's, that's kind of my whole thing about it. Is at least if they were going to make loads of money out of it, you could you could understand it being a money grab. But it feels like it's not even a money grab. It just feels like it's stupidity, really. I, I just, you know, I, I don't understand it all. But, like, people people need to voice their opinions on this. You know, we did it to Bellator for long enough. We voiced our opinion on it, and, and uh, they eventually changed it. But voice your opinion, tweet, you know, and to tweet some of the American journalists as well. I so say you're happy, though. You're happy a little bit because you, you miss ranting about Bellator's yeah, yeah, yeah. TV. I think a few people... Rant about BT's <laughs> A few people have said that already, but... Yeah, look, I, I, as I said, I, I contact them. They said it's going to be a select few a year just to get it 100% straight. Uh, and there's no price out there yet. So when people say 20 quid, I'm not sure if it will be 20 quid or not. Well, that's just going off what Sky Sports mm-hmm. usually do for a box office. I think it's what is it, 22 euro or something. Yeah, that that is. I think it's what is this? Yeah, something around that. Yeah, twenty two, twenty four euro or something like that. So look, I I'll buy it for all of you. You can come in here and watch this podcast. You know, you can chip in a fiver by signing up for Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash. I actually, <laughs> no, I can't because it, you know, 
it, you kind of need to too have it. Too much integrity. Like, too much integrity. But you need, you need to have it. <laughs> that's the word you were looking for. Too much integrity. That's always been my problem, Graham. <laughs> too much fucking integrity. But anyway, uh, so that's, a, that's a good way to end the podcast. Limerick are just about to trounce Claire. I'm going out to watch it here. Hopefully everybody enjoys this. Sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe med podcast. Buy myself from Graham a pint. And you, your, your, your weekly reminder that Liverpool are the champions of Europe. Mm-hmm, yeah, liver, liver, that uh, hand blicks or whatever his name is. Hand. I should wait actually till after your inspirational quote for the next year, or <laughs> until Liverpool don't win the Champions League to to make the announcement the that Liverpool are still the, the champions the of Europe. Champions. Well, <laughs> does, does it ever call you up and to call you? Is that the word? Up inside that, if Man United had conceded one goal against Liverpool at Old Trafford, you'd be the champions of the Premier League as well. Just one goal against this terrible Man United no, team. I actually never thought about it before, so it doesn't leave me up inside. Yeah, but what, what do you think of it now? Just one goal at Old Trafford against this shit Man United. Chris Smalling and Phil Jones were playing. It's more the, 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 the moment I think the change Phil Jones. was... John Stones clearing the ball like half a millimetre from being over the line yeah, on the class, line yeah. <laughs> after he nearly bundled into his own that was the moment that I think back on and think, ah fuck if that ball just had a move another another <laughs> little tiny the, the smallest bit it could possibly move then it would have been would have been different but so it would have butterfly effect would have happened that uh, you know Liverpool might have lost to Barcelona or Bayern Munich or you know on the way to winning, being the champions yeah, of Europe you would have so been happier now though you definitely would have been happier. Would you? Would you? Would you risk like uh, going back though and cha- everything change and maybe, maybe you know Van Dijk breaks his leg or something and that'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible stuff. Yeah, you, brought it up, fans. No, you brought it up. You brought it up. You brought it up. I'm only joking. I go. Oh, do you know what the stupidest thing ever? Oh, for fuck's sake! Henry Winter put out this just cowtowing to Liverpool fans. So, oh, Virgil Van Dijk paid for people's Christmas party and he's the best player we've ever seen. And England, oh, what a nice guy! And England. <laughs> And England fans are booing him. It's like, yeah, oh, come on, they're, relax. They're, they're booing him because of the football England. match. <laughs> like Juan Matt, yeah. Juan Matt has one of the nicest guys you'll ever see. He gives loads of money to charity. He's an intelligent, brilliant guy. Yeah, Liverpool fans are still going to boo got, him, and they should. Like, it's got nothing to do with that. Like, no. yeah, you could like Liverpool. Like, if when Liverpool play in Europe, for example, in Barcelona in the second leg, everybody who touched the ball was booed. Like, it's just part of making an atmosphere, making it difficult for the trying to put them off, trying to win the game, trying to help your team win. It's something to do with. Nothing to do with. I don't know what what Henry Winter's talking about. Yeah, and good players always get booed as well. Ronaldo used to always get booed. Like, oh, yeah. you know, that's a sign of. You're a good trying to player. put the, you're trying to put the people off. Like, yeah. you know, these atmospheres. Like, for example, when you go like to, I don't know, uh, Red Star Belgrade or, mm-hmm. or Turkey or something, and their atmospheres are like deafening, and they're every time you're on the ball, you can't hear you can't hear anything on the pitch. You can't hear each other, others' instructions. It, it makes it harder. It's 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 it's. it's Create the fans are creating an atmosphere in order to help their team. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's it's nothing to do with Virgil Van Dijk personally. Like, yeah. like Liverpool attacked the Man City boss. Like, do people talk about that at all? No, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, people talk about that constantly. Yeah, they should talk about it more. <laughs> I think that I think that's way more than fucking booing Virgil Van Dijk. <laughs> you know, when you're a five hundred feet away. I'm sure Virgil Van Dijk doesn't care in the slightest. No, I just like Oh, <laughs> but this kowtowing to Liverpool fans is just fucking disgraceful. But anyway, well, it's just it's just this like. PC it's more than anything I think like you can't even boo people without it being like oh why are they booing him is it because they're racist or something you know it's just ridiculous yeah yeah like, like Liverpool fans boo Raheem Sterling because he left and was kind of like 
more his agent was an asshole about it like and, mm-hmm. and but then like you know you, you see pieces oh like the racism against Raheem Sterling like is but there, I, I don't think it's, it's there like, from Liverpool fans on, there, there, I think there is racism towards Raheem Sterling though yeah no absolutely but not but from people point fans. to that yeah. people point to that like it, it's just like they're booing him because he left under mm-hmm. like they booed Suarez like they booed Coutinho they boo all these players who leave like <laughs> like it's not to do with race mm-hmm. well Liverpool still have that holier than thou attitude oh we're, we're great well we're, we are the best in Europe so the champions of Europe so are we are really holier though? than thou are you really <laughs> we're better than thou anyway are you, how can you be the best in Europe when you're not you're not even the best in like this tributary of Europe this little you know this this domestic thing. financial doping that's why domestic. financial yeah, doping finally <laughs> finally you're talking something by Man City hashtag no, financial uh, doping <laughs> no, uh, like Liverpool won the first, first close to fair Champions League, and I think they'll win the first uh, close to fair Premier League next Ooh, year. So a, we'll see. Is that a prediction here now? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll have the best chance we've ever had now that it's fair. I actually think you will because uh, company leaving City is huge, and if Leroy Sané goes as well, I think that's fucking huge. But yeah. anyway, this turned into a soccer podcast. So we must. Do well, that it depends on who's, who signs who, and uh, this is a long way to go. Like, but. Uh, we'll do a predictions podcast before yeah. the season starts when all the signings are done I'd say yeah. we, we got Daniel James anyway so we're going to win the league we're going to win the league remember you got Luke Shaw left back sorted for the next 15 years yeah he's good Luke Shaw has been good for last year yeah he's been class the last 5 years hasn't he yeah, it's been sorted for like 9 months of the last 5 years <laughs> sure, <laughs> it was sorted for that one game where Jose Mourinho like entered his body and ran up and down Luke Shaw was probably Man United's best player this year he was very very good no I, who, who was then who actually won it um, who did win it oh Lindelof I think yeah Lindelof is good as well but yeah Sean Lindelof were really two Pogba really was better than him too for like four games like every year I fucking hate him sell him <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to get rid of so many yeah, Dave's ahead is he leaving or what uh, I don't know who are they on about buying they're on about buying someone I don't know like maybe they probably I'd say they'll probably keep him until January or something hopefully he signs a new contract but I don't know you guys offer him a lot of money like if like Sanchez is making like what like a million a week or something ridiculous a million a month or, or a million every two weeks to fucking sit in his ass I, I, I'd hold off because that Dean Henderson lad that was on loan at uh, the championship last year he won like championship goalkeeper he's yeah. supposed to be really really good though but. yeah but Danny Ward is winning like championship goalkeeper of the year and stuff like it's a different ah, yeah, level well, well it depends where Man United are aiming for if you're happy enough to well, struggle against Wolves and mm-hmm. That's where we to are, battle like, for six then like but like uh, Oh, man, I just fucked while they have all the going to trust as a manager. Yeah, it's just, oh, you have a terrible seat. What is he, CEO, or what is he, like, yeah, Mike, what's his name? Ed Woodward. Ed Woodward. Mike, oh, my God. Mike Smalling. Yeah, Mike Smalling. You just call everybody Mike if you don't know the first <laughs> All right, all right. Let's... What's your name again, Mike? Mike Sheehan. Mike Sheehan, Mike Sheehan. All right, my, thank you very much, Mike. Uh, we'll, we'll do a soccer podcast, although we did, like, five minutes on there. That's an old teaser for Patreon coming up here probably in the next week or so. So, all right, thanks, everybody. All that's left to do is the inspirational quote of the week. You become what you believe. We'll see you next Tuesday. Sunday or Monday are you going to give are you going to give a big Liverpool won the Champions League shout out here are you Champions of Europe we're never going to stop (laughs) we'll see you next Tuesday (laughs) good luck